finally, let us pray this evening for the word we'll be receiving. Say to the Lord this evening, like I said, it is important that you say these words to the ears of God. Say, Lord, I have come. Let my heart receive that word that you're sending this evening to me. My heart understands, my ears hear the truth. Yes, say that to God. I do. I do. So this evening again, I present myself to the hearing of God's word. And I'll be built up. You say to yourself, I'll be built up by the word I'll be hearing this evening. You see, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace that is able to build you up. Oh, Father, we give you praise. Thank you once again for bringing us together and for what you have prepared for us. We thank you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, so our school of prayer, we are welcome again. Before we take our seats, let's just uh, take another declaration of understanding because it's a school where we are going to study the word of God. Amen? Amen. All right, quickly, let's take our declaration of understanding. One, two, let's go. Now I declare, now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. God is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. It's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Unless you can see the Lord is good. He says, say to Zerubbabel, it's not by your power, not by your might, but by the power of God and by the might of God. That is, those two things are summarized as the spirit of God. God said, it is by my spirit. And we've emphasized the fact that that's the plan of God for our lives as believers. So what are we saying? Or what's the Lord saying to us? We are to make sure that we power our lives by the spirit. The failure of life is when you are not careful to drink of that spirit. Let me just say this again. What grace is? One of my favorite topics. Grace is God's power working in your life. That's what grace is. Grace is the power of God that works on behalf of those or with those who are obeying his instructions who are obeying his will. Grace is the ability God gives you to do that which is naturally impossible when it comes to assessing your own personal abilities. Grace is when you are someone greater than you naturally can be. And that greatness is because God infuses the ability. Grace is not simply unmerited favor the way we say It is beyond that. It is a power of God released in the direction of the person that has faith, that is walking with God faithfully. So Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Now, one thing about grace is that it always requires activation. Paul said in Romans chapter 4, it has to be by faith if it is going to be in accordance with grace. That is, if it was not triggered by obedience, faith refers to obedience to something that God said to you. 
um, the book of um, Hebrews chapter 11 contains a long list. You know, the Bible says that in that Hebrews chapter 11, that Moses, by faith, he left Egypt and went to the wilderness, right? And he was careful to say, not because he was afraid of the wrath of the king, Pharaoh. He wasn't running away from Pharaoh. He went by faith. If you read only in Exodus, you will get the impression that when Moses heard that Pharaoh was looking for him to bring him to justice for the man that he killed, he ran away. No. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that it was by faith that he moved. You know, I I made a statement about that before. And I said that that wasn't saying that Moses just believed that God led him to move. No. God sent an instruction. He obeyed that instruction. And that's what the Bible calls faith. Some of our brothers were talking. Along the line, I said something to him. We got into talking about the book of Jasha. And the I read that portion of the book of Jasha. I had never read that portion. Even though I have the book. Somebody gave me the book some time ago. I've not read that portion. So now I said, oh, was that where I got the idea that, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing. That Moses had an instruction from God. I said, no, I read that from Hebrews chapter 11. Oh, he said, oh, I'm sorry. I thought that. I said, no. I didn't, it was, I didn't even know it was in the, that book. All right? I, of course, I said it long before I got the book. I never read anywhere else apart from the book of Hebrews chapter 11. But apparently, in another account, what is called the book of Joshua, referred to once in a while in the Bible. It was written that God actually sent an instruction to Moses. And I'd never read it anywhere. I just read the, book, the Bible, and I found out that when the Bible talks about by faith, a man did something. He was obeying God. He wasn't obeying a desire. He was obeying something that he had heard. Faith is always based on hearing. It's not just about persuasion out of nothing. You must have heard something. So that's why he said, who told you you were naked? Before they could disobey God, they needed to hear something different from what God said. Abel did not sacrifice because he felt good about sacrificing. Cain was not judged because he didn't sacrifice the right thing. He was judged primarily. Of course, he didn't sacrifice the right thing. That's a matter of fact. Not because the tomatoes were rotten, all right? Not because the purple he brought was a bad variety. The main, most important thing about Cain was that the same instruction given to Abel was given to him. He did not obey that instruction. And God gave him a second opportunity. We won't go into that in details now. But what happened was that Abel, so the Bible tells in Hebrews chapter 11, that by faith, Abel offered that pleasing, that excellent sacrifice. Why? Either God appeared to them, no, right? The way you should appear to the parents. Or the parents give them the instruction of the Almighty, Adam. Abel followed. Now, let's get this clear. It was not because he was a shepherd so he could use the, one of the animals he had. No. He did it because he was told, do this. And what was the problem with Cain? He was told the same thing, and he didn't bother. It is possible he felt that, look, Abel has a good, so he can sacrifice a kid if he wanted I'm going to give you what I have. It's possible he thought like that. But that God had to tell him was not acceptable. So God now came to him and told him, if you had done what is right, 
you will have been accepted. He said, now if you are willing to do what is right. Now listen to this. I don't have time to explain it. Here, okay, you said you didn't have. There is a sin offering lying down at the door. Take it. He said, the desire is for you. I have brought this one for you. The way he brought for Abraham later to offer in place of Isaac. God brought one also for Cain. Rebellion is like a sin of witchcraft. He rebelled. You've heard me say many times, God doesn't judge you for the first offense. He judges for refusal to be corrected. It is when correction is brought and you say no, for whatever reason you have. How can I go and face everybody and say I was wrong? How you want to rush shame in my face? That is when your judgment is being, is finishing the press up that is doing on the second Niger bridge. I'm telling you, the gun that has been loaded is about to be fired. When you start giving excuses, rejecting correction. What am I going to say in all of this? Instructions were given to these people. And that's what the Bible calls faith. Abel, offer a blood sacrifice. Abel brought one. Cain, offer a blood sacrifice. says, I don't have. God says, offer a blood sacrifice. A clean animal said, I don't have. God says, offer a blood sacrifice. A clean animal. He said, didn't you hear what I said the first time? I don't have. And God is looking like, hey, of course you can get. You can exchange the goods you have with your brother. He will give you an animal. So once God kept on repeating the instruction, he said, it is what I have. That's what I'm going to give. Now, can I take a small digression? Now, if I lose my way, Reverend Chooks, you must bring me back. Now, just a small digression. Have you ever heard this before? Which is in the Bible, but it's the application I'm talking about. That it is acceptable according to what a man has. Have you in the Bible? Is there, right? Do you know the application is often wrong? The Bible never said it is acceptable according to what is comfortable for a man. He just said what? He has to have it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. So the widow had only two mites. And she gave the two mites. And it was acceptable. Many people will say, I'm poor. They will eat the two mites. And say, it is acceptable according to what a man has. The Bible never said it is acceptable according to what is comfortable. He said, you just have to have it. So people say that, I can't borrow to give. I said, not a problem. Just make sure you never borrow to do any other thing. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. But don't go and borrow to buy a car. When it comes to giving, you say, I can't borrow to give. I will not accept that. I mean, speaking for God now. Of course not. Do you get the logic? Why do people stress themselves for personal comfort, but will never stress themselves to be a blessing to somebody else? So I say to people, when it comes to giving, whatever you can do to give to yourself, let it be part of your giving life. You can decide to give what you took as a loan, because that's how you bought your car. I don't know whether you're getting my point. If Ken wanted to get, he knew what to do to get it. He knew what to do. He's solving other problems. But let's get back to the issue of grace. The release of grace is always preceded by obedience to something, an instruction from heaven. If a king in Israel failed, not because governance was hard, it was simply because he did not read his Bible. And the Bible was not big. It was not even the whole of Genesis to Deuteronomy. It was mostly a portion of Deuter- uh, Exodus, most of Le- Leviticus, and most of Deuteronomy. Because if you read Genesis, it's history. Much of Exodus, history. Much of Numbers, census. I hope you're getting my point. And history. 
most of Deuteronomy, a recap of what happened. Just a few portions of the law. So basically, that guy didn't have to read more than the, what we today now call maybe the whole of the book of, in volume now, Exodus and Deuteronomy put together. Not more than that. Not up to that. That was all he was supposed to read. But God said you have to read it every day. And you have to read it countless times. Once you read it every day, and two, it had to be countless, that is innumerable. You will just read all the days of your life. If as a king, you say, okay, every day I can read what modern people will later call, that is today's people, will later call one chapter. God said, fine. But read that one chapter every day. Because at the end of 30 days, you'll be through the whole book. Six days, that is, you'll be through half of the book. The second month, you'll finish the whole book. Then you start again. So in a year, you go through this book three or four times. That's what that God said. He said, if you do this, your kingdom will endure forever. Now, what am I trying to say? You will see. He didn't say, know how to fight. He didn't say, have wisdom. He didn't say, be fair. He didn't say, now listen now. He didn't say, don't go and invade a country I didn't send you to. He didn't give any of those things. He didn't say, know how to plan the economy of your country. He said just one thing. What? Read a book. What is grace? It is when great power is released as a consequence of small obedience. Do you hear what I said? Great power is released in response to a little obedience. Obedience in a little thing. That is what grace is. So what should the king have done? The king will have just picked his book and read. When they say the king of Syria, the king of Ammon, and the king of Babylon, they've sent their emissaries to come and greet you. They will be at the breakfast meeting by 8 o'clock. They say, ah, excuse me. Tell them the meeting will be at night. Why? I don't finish reading till 8. Then I have to go and get ready. Ah, but they say they are hurrying to go back to their various kingdoms. Then tell them bye-bye. I will see them another time. God will test the resolve to read. Then one day they say, ah, we have planned a surprise for the queen. Tomorrow is her birthday. Remember you married on her birthday. That day is also the 10th anniversary of ascending the throne as queen in Israel. The king said, fine. So I want to give her a surprise early in the morning. So when is the surprise? Shall you by 7 o'clock? Your royal highness or your royal majesty. So my lord, 7 a.m. Say sorry. The queen will get no surprise until I finish reading. This will mean a lot to her. If we lose the kingdom, it will mean much more to her. So God will test the resolve. Go and read. There will be many reasons not to read. One day we'll have weak eyes. So now nah, he can't read anymore. Say, so get younger eyes to read for me. I know one preacher in Nigeria then. In his days, the man was blind. All the days I knew, he didn't see with any of the eyes. But the man could quote scripture. And I'm not aware he used to do braille. This was before the days when you had Bibles on tape, Bible and things like that. So, I found that later. How come he knows the Bible so much? So that's the only thing his wife does for him. That's the only thing people around him do for him. Once he's in his car, somebody's beside him reading the Bible for him. So you are with him. Your job is to read the Bible. You read it. Genesis chapter 1, you read the whole thing for him. Chapter 2, you tell, ah, which verse is that? You can't see. Tell me it's verse 15. Okay, read it again. And when he's preaching, that's how you do. If you go to the book of Genesis, 
In chapter 5. In verse 50. That is somebody has opened. And they are reading it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He will complete it for you. The man knew the Bible. How did he do it? That's all people around him did for him all the time. God said, Israel, king in Israel, if you want to endure, that's the only assignment. You do that, he told Joshua. You talk to yourself in it. What do you find? You will find the ability. It will come into you to do all that is written therein. Then you will make your way prosperous. And you have success. Now, what am I trying to say? Grace is obey the little thing. God will put the power into you to do the great thing. God never gives us a difficult thing to do. Never. If he says that a time will come, say be faithful unto death, go and check it, all right? When you'll be persecuted for 10 days, go and check it. Before that time, he had given them little things to do like, don't forsake the gathering together of one another. That doesn't require anything. But of course, it will cost you weddings, birthdays, sleep. Sometimes, God will say, let me tell you how, let me see how seriously you take this thing. You make sure you don't have too many clothes. Just two t-shirts, a pair of trousers, and um, like we say, short knicker. <laughs> so somebody will not go. Why? Because this is the same shirt I wore there last time. God said, no problem. I'm not giving another shirt, though. Until you realize that gathering together is so important that if you have to go half naked, you will go. That's what he does. After a while, he gets his spirit right. He said, I beg. I can't miss this gathering. I heard that last week I did not go. This man came all the way from Cardinal. Look at what he said. And I missed it. So next time I'm going. This is my single t-shirt. I will wash it regularly. I will wash it the, <laughs> the day before fellowship. It will always be neat. But some will sit at home and say, no, God, until you give me a suit to wear. Last time I went, you saw that brother. He was wearing a fine suit. What did I do? How come anyone doesn't have a fine suit? I said, you don't understand. I am testing whether you would understand the importance of gathering. After you cry long enough and you have missed gathering together for a year, we'll send you five suits. You will now come and Ika will have bothered in your life. Enter you come, you won't gain anything. You will now be a source of confusion there. Enter you come, you'll be causing confusion. When you enter like they will, after they know your spirit is not right, they will now be plotting meeting behind your back. Yes. Grace requires activation. What is activation? It is faith. What is faith? It's obedience to communicated instructions. That's what faith is. So what is grace again? God empowers you for everything, including obedience. That is further obedience. Son of man, stand to your feet that I may speak to you. Me that I fell down, not because I wanted to lie down. I fell. Do you get my point? I went down under the influence of the glory. You know, I said I should get up. How will I do it by my own strength? Of course I can't. God said, I know. So the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. God said, that's the idea. Once I see that you really want to get up, I will put the spirit. So what I see is like Ezekiel is lying face down. God said, stand up. Let me talk to you. He moved his hand. He tried to lift it. But he pushed himself up. He couldn't. He moved the second hand. In trying to adjust, next thing he found strength. He found himself floating and standing on the feet. What happened? But God said, I saw you trying to get up in obedience to what I said. So, the spirit entered and finished the job. <laughs> Nobody, Christians are not supposed 
to succeed by their own strength. Never. No. You only succeed by the strength of the Almighty. And failure is a result of disobedience to little instructions that he gives. How do we succeed? Simply by obeying those little instructions and by them connecting with grace. Paying attention to the prophetic word. Now let's get back to what we were talking about last time. I think I should really go on now. So what we're going to do today is part of that. Remember, we're talking about tapping into that grace, tapping into that anointing. That's what we are doing. And like I said last time, now we are looking at the spirit of wisdom, vision, and understanding. The other time we look at the spirit of boldness. Last time we began to look at the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, and the spirit of vision. And I said that what I'm going to do, the other time we took a lot of declaration and that say, please let me go at this again. Anything we do here, make it a habit. What did I say? Say the full thing again. Yes. We declare the word, make it a habit. We're not be to do everything every time. Do you understand? But anything we've done once becomes a habit in your life. Periodically, every day, every week, once in a while. Make sure it becomes part of you. I hope you're getting my point. All right? So we went, we meditated. Okay, I said that there's a confession, two sides to it. There is meditation and there's prophetic declaration. When you are meditating, you're actually speaking to yourself. When you are prophetically declaring, you are speaking to something else. It can be, it can be you, but not your, not your, how do I say it now? For example, now, your leg is you, right? And you can tell your leg, go here, don't go there. So that's, you are prophetically instructing the leg. But when you are speaking to yourself, speaking to your soul, you are conditioning your heart, your mind. That's what I mean by meditation. When you are making yourself know, you are feeding your heart. That's what meditation does. All right? You're not commanding anything. You're just feeling your heart. You're feeding your heart. You're feeling it to the full with the spirit of the word of God. That's what you're doing. But when you're prophesying, you are prophetically giving instruction. You are saying something out there. It may be the word of God you are speaking by, but you are asking it to cause an effect somewhere. It can be in you also. Do you get my point? You can prophesy it to your body to be well. So that's what I mean by it's not you as in, yeah, it can be part of you, but you are, they are declaring that something should happen. That's the difference between meditation and prophesying. So both of them, I just combined both of them into confession, all right? So we did the meditating and prophesying thing the other time when we were, of course, receiving the spirit of boldness. Today, however, what we want to do is what happened in Galatians, what Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, chapter 3. In verse 2, he said, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Again, if you are here and you've been, or you've been listening to me for a while, in recent times, I mean the last few months, I have not read my little book, Receive the, the Spirit. You are a, what did I call the people like that? Different kind of animals in sheep clothing. Some are giraffes in sheep clothing. Some are, what else? Hippopotamus in sheep clothing. Some are antelopes in sheep clothing. I don't want to call you wolf in sheep clothing, but it can be a cat. 
Do you get my point? Mm-hmm. But please, make yourself a sheep in sheep clothing. By just picking the book and reading. The book is free to download. Please go to our website, pastor.ng. Look at, um, under the book section. It's free to download. It's not a very heavy file. And then you can share. Please, after downloading, feel very free to share. That's only payment. There are two things you pay when you download our materials. You know it's not free. You know, remember that? Yeah, you don't, it's not free. We will not be charging money, but we charge. What do we charge? Little things like make sure you read it, make sure you listen to it, and most importantly, do what? Share with somebody. Each time you download a book there, at least pay for it by sharing with two, three, ten. In fact, if you had a WhatsApp group of Christians, just drop it there. Say, brethren, read this. It will bless you. All right? Because we want to fill everywhere with the knowledge of God. Amen? So please remember to read the book. Um, receive the Spirit. And in the book, I explain different ways to receive the Spirit. And this is one of them we are referring to again today now. That's Galatians chapter 3. He said, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? And we can see that illustrated in Acts chapter 10 when Cornelius sent for Peter. When Peter got to the house of Cornelius, what did he do? He began to tell them about Jesus. How he went about, how he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, and he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And he was talking about everything that happened and how they took him, crucified him, nailed him to the cross, how on the third day he rose again from the dead, and then he was with them for a a number of weeks, and all of many of them, many many people then, or all of them disciples, they saw him, and he talked with them and taught them again concerning the kingdom. And then, after some weeks, he ascended to heaven, and they saw him ascend. And the angels came and told them that the same way he's ascending, one day he will show up again. And, all of, and why was he saying all of that? <laughs> Peter suddenly had commotion. What did he notice? The people began to stagger, like they staggered at that time. And somebody said, please, be, be quiet. The man of God is still speaking. They were speaking too. They couldn't help it. They were speaking in other tongues. <laughs> and they were magnifying God. And the Bible says that even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. Did you notice that? They were not declaring anything. It was not laying hands on anybody. What were they doing? They were hearing with faith. These people were not even believers before that time. So while he was preaching... They have become converted. They have become born again. The Holy Spirit came upon them while the man was preaching. You know, God does things sometimes. He doesn't even wait for the preacher. Because Peter was not even sure they could be saved. He wasn't sure. He definitely was not going to offer them being filled with the Holy Spirit. God went ahead of him. But let's sit on the main thing. The main thing is that while he was still speaking, while they were hearing with faith, Paul said, you receive the Holy Spirit by what? Hearing with faith. So how are we going to receive the spirit of wisdom? The spirit of understanding? And the spirit of revelation? The spirit of visions? That's what we are going to receive today. Somebody say amen to that. Yeah, that's what we are going to receive today. How we are going to receive it? We are just going to talk about it. And let's follow the Elijah anointing. Or let's do like this. Elijah to Elisha principle. What's that Elisha 
receiving from Elijah principle. Don't be distracted. If you catch yourself in the sleepy, there's no problem. Just get up, go to the back, and go and stand there. Simple. That is allowed. Don't go outside. Don't go to the next hall. That's the excuse to sleep, you know. So many people say, ah, when I came out today, I was tired. So I went to the next hall. Why? So you can sleep without me seeing you. What are you doing? Like we say in Nigeria, now me, you they do, or you they do yourself. If I were you, I would come inside here so that if I want to sleep, the fear of Pastor Banky will not let me sleep. Especially so you can stand up. Please don't come to Bible study so you can go and sleep in the other hall. Cuckoo, go home. Stop deceiving yourself. Your time to go. Whatever you have to do, make sure that you're not distracted. Because what God is doing is pouring into us today the spirit of wisdom. Say amen to that place. Say, I receive it. What he's doing is he's pouring into us the spirit of understanding Amen. and the spirit of vision, Amen. the spirit of revelation. Amen. You know, we keep on declaring all the time, I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We said it last time, this life is complicated. There's not enough information out there. Even if you had all the hard disk, the servers that open the AI, and bad, is it bad? They call them all the people, the Microsoft, AI, all of them that they use, chat GPT. They don't have enough information to predict the future. That is one thing that God kept for himself. Nobody can tell the future unless God by himself reveals it. Now, when God puts down a dare, you know a dare, he dares somebody to do something. That's what he did to the, to the other gods. He said, oh yeah, prove that you are a God. Tell us what will happen tomorrow, whether for good or for bad. And that's what he said. He said, no, I said, I don't, I don't care. Whether it is good or it is bad, say it. He said, I know somebody who was able to predict, like, you know, I told you before, don't be deceived. Two things happened there. One of them is that God by himself will give that revelation. That's one. The second one is that some things have already happened. It's to you that you think they have not happened. Those in the spirit, they see things happen there a little ahead of the physical. So if you are seen into the realm of the spirit, you have already seen it. Let me give an example. Now, we are going for election in three days' time or in one month's time. It's not that, that's not the day they are determining who will win. Heaven has determined sins. So some people can see that. They are not predicting the future. I don't know whether you are getting my point. They are not telling you what will happen in the future. Just that something that has already happened. They just, you know, they saw it ahead of you simply because they live in a different realm. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, because you see, let me give you a very simple example just to help those who, you know. Have you ever heard of, okay, you know these stars you see? You, you know, you look up at night, right? And there are all kinds of lights shining from there. Some of them are stars. Most of them are stars. Okay. Of course, the other things say, what else? There are satellites that look like stars, so let's just leave that. But real stars, you see them, like Orion. You look out at night, you see Orion, the constellation called Orion. I don't know how far the stars in the Orion cluster they are from the Earth. But the truth is that you don't know whether the stars are still there now or not. Because many of them, you have seen them by light they emitted 10,000 years ago. 50,000 years ago. One million years ago. 
Some of them you are seeing with light that they released one billion years ago. Do you get my point? So in this instant, if you know this instant, instant, you don't know what's going on with them. When um, scientists go out and look at them with powerful scopes or even launch James Webb satellite into space and they are looking at them, they don't know what is going on today. They only see what happened in some cases five billion years ago because now the light is reaching the earth. But let's assume now you are able to see without using light. You can tell us maybe what we will see next year. You will see it today. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, because you are not using light. You are using something else to communicate. All right? I don't know what. I'm using as an example. So, but when it comes to determining the future, nobody can apart from God. Sometimes some people, maybe Satan goes to plead a case before the judgment seat of God against somebody. And God says, all right, fine. Your name is Job. I've given this devil a right to do this and do that. No, Satan can come and pretend like he can do something. Because tomorrow, all the goods of Job will be lost. He's not presenting the future. He has already left the presence of God with the decree in his hand that you can go ahead. So now this is what I'm going to do tomorrow. That's not what I'm talking about. But what will determine somebody's future or the future of a nation or, you know, what will happen in life tomorrow, no human being, no spirit can determine it. Occasionally, God just allows them, that's what I'm trying to say in all of these things, to see what he has already released. But except that, there is no way. There is nothing happening on this earth. See, what will happen in Nigeria next year is not a result of election done this year or policies made last year. It's not. There is no way of predicting. <laughs> it will surprise you if you do not know. You know what they call financial experts? They've been shown to be wrong more times than chance. That is as if you become more stupid the more expertise you have in financial matters. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Yeah, this, this has been documented. They selected the chief financial office officers of big companies in the world and asked them questions on how the economy will go, what will happen to the dollar, the stock market, and everything. They collated everything that they said. And they waited for some time for the time that they predicted to happen. And they were wrong more than 50% of the times. Meaning that if you are just guessed, you see the better chance of being right than when the experts spoke. When they said the stock market will go up, more than half of the times it went down. When they said the dollar will become stronger, more than half of the times it became weaker. I told you about the man I met. He said he was doing some business then involving some foreign currency. His money was in dollars. His, his dealing was in French francs of those days before the euro. And he would sit in Nigeria and say, Lord, ah, I need this to exchange for, let's just put an arbitrary figure, for 3.7 francs to the dollar by Friday. Hmm. Maybe today's already is like 3.7, uh, 3.5. He said, I'd, I'd like 3.7 by Friday. He said, God did it for him, I think, 11 consecutive times. So much was he accurate that the deputy central bank governor there in France asked to see him. I don't know whether you're getting my point. What we call CBN governor in Nigeria? A deputy governor of CBN there had an audience with him to ask him, 
how are you so accurate in your predictions? He will tell them that by Friday, the French franc will be exchanging for 3.9 francs to the dollar. And they will say it's not possible. And they will explain the reason, say there's no problem. But I'm making my you know, decisions based on 3.9. So move my dollar, it will give the instructions. They will do what he said because it's his money. They wake up in the morning on Friday, 3.9. So, look, listen, listen. We do our calculations after checking the Nikkei average, the FTSE, you know, uh, report, the, what do you call it? The something, what do you call that? Something 100 in America. Anyway, all the financial markets in the world, from Germany to Japan to US to London, and of course, their own local one in France. They put everything together and say, no, the French franc is going to strengthen. Maybe now it's 3.7. It's going to go to like 3.6. And the man says, please, walk for mine on 3.9. You wake up in the morning on Friday, it's 3.9. He said it happened 11 consecutive times. He said at a point in time, his bankers, who had more cash than him, were making more money than him. They abandoned every other thing they were doing. They were just trading Forex based on what he said. And it was so right consistently that they called and said, no, no, no. Let's talk, let's talk. There is something you know. Just tell us. The man who told me that he did not finish primary, he didn't go beyond primary school in education. So he told them, I don't do any calculation. I fix it. How do you fix it? I get on my knees. I check what favors me and what doesn't favor me. And I ask the Lord to make it what I have said. They're like, no, you, no. They say, no, no, you're not sure this is true. They say, but we know you don't lie. He said, look, that's the only thing I have to tell you guys. See, you guys are the experts. You can't predict it. So you better know that there's no way of predicting it. But I know how I do it. And the first time was like a game of chance. It was like, hey, this rate doesn't, is not good. Ah, God, please. So that I won't lose money, so that my business will go well. I need it to be this amount. And he woke up that day. That was what it was. Next week, he did it again. Maybe next month, he did it again. Ah, he realized I kept on working. So he continued doing it. Until those guys panicked, like, there's one guy in Nigeria, a Nigerian businessman who did not go beyond primary six in formal education. What am I going to say? <laughs> Someone says, spirit of insight. Spirit of, spirit of vision. Spirit of vision. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's available. It is. It is. Let me say something to us believers. There's so much power available, so much wisdom that God wants to give his children. One thing he just says, and I feel like saying it now, is purify your heart. So people are thinking now, you say that kind of thing, man, I can make a million dollars in a week. Do you get my point? The, the desire for the world, when the spirit of wisdom is coming, the spirit will go back. The Lord will say, why did you come back? I tried to enter the heart. It was polluted. Say, cleanse yourself of all defilement of flesh and spirit. You know, I was really, okay, I was in a meeting on Sunday. I wasn't the one preaching. So while the preacher was speaking, we read something that John said. And John said, we are going to be like him when we see him as he is. And one revelation just hit me there. That there are different ways of seeing God. Three, well, three came to my mind. Three times you are going to see the Lord, all right? There's an ultimate vision when he appears. But then there is an individual revelation of God, of Christ, that the moment you get it, 
you become like him in that area. I hope you get my point. You must understand, Jesus Christ has been given to us as the wisdom of God. But he said, for that wisdom to enter into you, you have to see him as he is. Now, seeing him as he is, is not just to admire, because one thing about spiritual things is that you become that which you behold. Whatever you are focusing on steadfastly, you become. So when he says seeing, it's not so that I can see him and go and talk about him. No, it's that as I'm beholding him, I'm being transformed from one level of glory to another. So if I'm removing, that's the point I'm coming, trying to get across to us. If I'm removing the defilement of spirit out of my heart, do you get my point? Then the spirit of wisdom will have a place to go into. Let's talk about um, Joseph as an example. That spirit of vision, Joseph had it. But I can assure you of one thing, I don't have any shadow of doubt in my mind. You know, God can give you something and it's not activated or it's corrupted along the line. That's one danger about the gift of God. You can corrupt it. You can neglect it. We see scriptures like that. Paul had to write to Timothy to do what? Stir up the gift of God that is in him. He knew it was there, but Timothy wasn't using it. And one prayer you must pray for yourself all the time. Hey, so many things to say with my people. If God gives you something to use for him, a gift, he will hold you accountable. One day he will come and say, so what happened? Say, with what? The gift I gave to you. Which gift? He shows it to you. I had that healing anointing. Yes, they quickly placed back for you in your mind the meeting where you went for, where the minister was ministering, and how you couldn't take your eyes away from him. At that point, the Spirit began to tell you things. And then they said, pray. All you prayed for was that. And the Spirit told you that it's coming into your heart. As long as you know, it tells you what to do, and you begin to do it, and it's in line with your calling. And then somebody comes to you. Now you've forgotten. Why? Because... Paul said, he slips away. Why? As you are leaving, this happened when you were in university. As you are leaving university, they told you that, look, listen, listen. Nigeria is rough. Nigeria is rough. A man must first establish what he will eat. And then you began to pay attention to that nonsense. So instead of you to pay attention to the word of God and the ministry of the word, you run to go and look for money. From that place, he said that there's no money in Nigeria. You have to run to another country. And I say, so the Holy Spirit said, wait. He said, I'm coming. Let me talk to you. He said, no. Let me first go and establish a business for myself. Then I will not come and do the work of God. Then you disappear. Now, each moment you waste, the spirit gets dimmer. That anointing gets dimmer. It gets dimmer. It gets dimmer. It can dim so much you don't remember you have it. You know that I found out? One of the ways to reactivate dormant gifts hmm? is just... Okay, before I say that, one of the things that kills gifts, all right, a lot, is that you don't go to the, a place where the embers of the coal is being fa- fa- fanned. But they don't fan it. Everywhere you go, they pour cold water on it. Please listen to me carefully what I'm about to say. Be careful when you are changing geographical location. Don't go to where cold will be poured upon your gift. Because you will forget. They will ask you one day, are you called to ministry? You will say no. Now, if you are a minister, that's what I'm talking about. You will say no. You're not, you're not being deceptive. Though. 
you have so forgotten. The flame has died. The coal is no longer hot. It's almost black now. They still look, if you look close, there's still one little spark there which can be fanned back and pray that one doesn't die. Because the day it dies, the garment of Aaron has been removed. He that has an ear, let him hear. How do you find that's what I'm say. I, Personally, I found out. Hmm? <laughs> one day I said something, all of you burst into laughter. I said, go to church. And when a man goes to church, that's not the joke. Please go to church. When I say church now, I don't mean cathedral. I found out this is this personally for me from personal experience. All right? Well, my own personal experience, and then when I see what many people have told me about their lives, the Holy Spirit tends to wait in church. I don't know why. What do I call church? Where brethren gather, maybe simple clapping, or their hands are raised, and then somebody leads a prayer, and they sing a hymn, and then somebody kneels down to pray, and one man comes up to preach. That is why people who are doing bad, they know they go to church. One of the things I found out very common with young girls, if a young girl stops coming to church, go and see the guy she's going around with. I have hardly ever failed in that prediction. They start hiding. You know why? Once they enter church, the Holy Spirit is waiting at the door. The spirit of holiness, the spirit of righteousness, the spirit of the fear of God will almost kill her. With guys also too. To do evil, true believers have to run away first. See, if you see anybody who's come to church regularly and he's doing evil regularly, he's not born again. See, true believers, to be able to disobey God, they first have to disappear. <laughs> I know what. They have to disappear. Because the spirit of God, no degree. As they are approaching, as a leg wants to come near the church. Ah, so who fall under the power. It's not anointing anything. It's guilt. It's so heavy, they can't. Now, what I'm telling you, I mean literally. The person will lose the ability to stand. Say, please hold me. Say, any problem? You have not eaten. <laughs> this one passed food. It's Holy Spirit. I'm not kidding about that. I'm not joking. No. If you want to torture a Christian who's walking in iniquity, drag the fellow to church. Just strictly individual. Says this one, I will torture you today. And let's go. Ah, let's go hang out. Let's go as I enter the place. Lock door. Bring preacher will show. They bring the hymns. Begin singing hymns. Person will be clawing at the door, trying to get out. Christians who are walking in sin, again, people who are demon possessed, they're also like that. Too. They can't stand it. If you see anybody come to church, just smile, then go back to do iniquity. That guy is not born again. Or he has so done it, God has, let me not say that one. Back to the main thing I'm saying. If you want to fan into flame, if you don't know the kind of gift, it's like I have a device, I don't know what it does. He has two, he has a wire and he has two pins there. What does that tell you? It's a plug. I just plug it first. Then I check, what exactly does it do? I hope you get my point. Once you plug them, you go, you go. If not fun, you go begin move. If you plug, it's out here, then do, 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 do. Aha, it's playing music. <laughs> plug it first. If you plug it, it starts blowing cooler. It's an air conditioner. Plug it first. It's very difficult to decide what something does until it is plugged. If you didn't know it before. In the same manner, if you want to know the gift that you have that has, that has become dormant, ah, it's not hard. Just give yourself a six-week course in church going. Look for, go to a serious church. Where they, now, they don't have to be loud. They don't need equipment. 
When I say tidy, I don't mean the one that, oh, somebody comes and says, this morning, and we have something special. No, it's not the English I'm talking about. It can be, we have come again. Father, we have come again. Holy Ghost, come and take control. It can be as simple as that. Or they can be singing, CC winners can be their guest minister. I'm not saying CC winners is bad. I hope you get my point. Or, that one is very good. If not, somebody blow trumpet in your ear. Your gift will come. <laughs> but the point I'm making is go to a real church where the real word of God is being preached, where true brethren gather. That gift of God that you start waking up is the number one way I have found out to find the gift back into. At least remember that it is there. I hope you're getting my point. Please bear these things in mind, all right? Just, just a small aside for somebody. Who can help me back to where we were? I had good. Ah. This guy has a gift of reminding me. I mean, don't be, be coming regularly and sitting where I can find it. Always the gift. So God holds us responsible, actually. You may not know you have the gift because you have allowed it to lie dormant for so long, it's almost totally dead. You'll be judged like you knew it was there. And you refuse to use it. See, in this life, eh, Satan, he knows what he's doing. All he ever does is offer something in, in exchange for the neglect of your gift. He can't use it. But there are two things he does. His number one aim is to use that gift for himself. That's what he really likes. Because it's effective. If God gives you a grace to do something, if you use it for bad, it will still work well. Did you catch what I said? Yeah, it will still work very well. I mean, if Abner decides to be fighting for Saul, you still be a great warrior. Abner was fighting for Saul. Still a great warrior, man. You remember how great he was? What's the name of Joab's brother? Abishai. Is he Abishai? No, no, the one that he killed, Asahel. So the way he killed Asahel? He killed Asahel as if Asahel was a neophyte. You know what they call a neophyte? A small boy warrior. Asahel was a gen- I mean, tough guy. Asahel was feeling ambitious. So let me be that I'm the one that took down Abner. As Abner was running away. He thought Abner was running because he couldn't fight. Abner said, I don't want to fight you guys. As I went after him. <clears throat> kitty, kitty, kitty. Riding on the chariot. Ah, Abner looked back. I said, who is that? As I is you? Yeah, I said, yeah. He said, please, please. If now, spoils they find. There are boys on the left, boys on the right. Follow any one of them. As I said, no, you are the one I want. Please, I will not be able to face your brother Joab. If anything should happen to you. As I was feeling tough. Abner did not look back. He took the back of his spear. Yeah. She, I warned you. He knew this thing. What I think is that as as I was launched towards him, he just bent down, slowed down his chariot, kept bam, killed the guy one stroke, not two. But I'm just going to illustrate the fact that he wasn't fighting on the Lord's side anymore, but he was still skillful. If you look, one of the things I've seen this is that pain me so much. You know, the world, they know, they know, they know. I went to preach in one church long ago. Now, not now. I'm talking about this happened. I didn't even know my wife then. So, I'll tell you how long ago it was. This must have happened around 1997 or so. All right? Yes. Around 97. Quite a while ago. We're in 2023 now. All right? Tell you how long it is. I finished preaching in the church. One man came to me. He said, wow. He gave me his card. <laughs> that please, I need, I, he needs me to come to his office. He runs a business. A businessman. As workers. What I can talk to his workers. I preached for one hour in a church service. He redeemed, RCCG, redeemed church. Somewhere, I think, anyway, in Lagos, one part of Lagos. And the man, <laughs> hey, now, 
Just subtract. I think it was 97. Yes, I'm certain. Yeah, 97. Yeah, 97. If I'm mistaken, 98. That's 25 years ago, right? Yeah, 25 to 26. I mean, if, it's, if it's 98, 25, all right? Yeah. So, so brother from my age now, I, was, I wasn't an old man that time. The guy had me only one time. He came. He said, wow. Give me his card. I will need to talk. I need to talk to his staff. He wanted me to come to his office. <laughs> I was young that time. I was willing to go, but God didn't open the door. But I look back. Now, if he's not, I'm not going to answer you. I have too much sense now to answer such nonsense. Come and talk to your staff to do what now? To motivate them for productivity. I'm a teacher of the word. A lot of preachers of the word, hmm? they have become business developers, motivational speakers, because they are effective. See, we are effective. See, let me explain something to you. Preachers are not trained to motivate you. When they talk to you, the spirit will motivate you. It's an anointing. I told you once I want somewhere to go and preach. He said I should speak on something that I said, you know, the kind of topic I didn't understand. So I got there and said, which kind of topic did you give me? I mean, I'm like that. I said, no, this kind of topic I don't know. But you will say, that's what I'm Okay, I'll try my best. Anyway, that's how I started the message. And I read one or two scriptures, and I was talking. To me, it was not an exciting message. One guy came to me afterwards. He said, sir, finally, I understand what it must have felt like to be at the feet of Jesus himself. And that's what he said to me. A topic that I was wondering, that, what is it that I'm talking about? He says, so this was what Peter, James, and John experienced. No, that's how he felt. He said, ha, this is how it must have felt to be at the feet of Jesus. He said, you spoke as one having authority. I always, when I tell that story, I always give the first part because I didn't know what I was saying. This kind of topic, I don't know. Okay, let's just talk, sure. The guy said he had never been in any meeting like that in his life. That's why he was speaking like that. I was looking at him like this. What did I say? Nothing special. Can't remember. I didn't prepare anything fantastic. But as I was ministering, he wasn't hearing me. He wasn't seeing me. He was hearing the Holy Spirit. He was seeing the face of the Lord. It wasn't me. It's very easy to carry and misuse. And they will pay you well. Those guys are very wicked. They will pay you well. They will pay you well. One, one preacher said he was supposed to do some trainings. When they showed him how much they will pay, he said, All these years I've been preaching. No, let me explain. Maybe you don't get it. They tell you, talk to us for 30 days, we'll give you 30 million. The kind of thing I'm telling you about. And the guy looked like, excuse me. Did you just say 30 million? <laughs> ah. Okay, you spend some money on logistics and stuff like that, but it's the kind of thing that if you didn't give anybody out of the money, the guy could easily pocket 25 for preach. And listen, if you are not disciplined, you will fall for that temptation. You know, this guy has one cousin. When that guy is preaching, he's, the, he's one of the persons, uh, till now I say it, if I count me, I've been to, especially as an adult, that is, okay, especially if you count after I left university, if I have to count on my hands, the top five meetings I've been to, he was the one preaching, this guy I'm talking about. He was one, he was one that preached in that meeting. One of the, I will put as the top five since I left university. And that, <laughs> next time I saw him, he had the earring here. Yaring here. You know what they call Yaring? Yeah. Yeah, they was looking funny. His hair was been tangled, tangled like this guy. So. Did he come here today? <laughs> I was looking at this guy like this. He's his cousin. They are from the same... They are friends, actually. 
Apart from causing their friends. Ask him whether it's true. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him whether it's true. Eh? Ask, ask him whether it's true, my friend. <laughs> did you not hug him? Did he not, did he not bless you? <laughs> ask him now. Nine guy. Yet, when I saw him on TV, I shook my head. The problem that this world, there's a reason why Demas left too. He will do one, maybe show, or one program. They will give him what the church did not give him in a whole year. That's what happens. That's what happens. That's how the Bible, Solomon was speaking. He said, the adulteress haunts precious lives. It's the precious one he's looking for. It's not free. You pay. You pay. The adulteress, the spirits will pay. Precious lives. Precious lives. That's the first thing Satan wants. That gift. Mm-hmm. He wants to use it for himself. Turn you to a politician that God did not make you. Nothing wrong with being a politician. Nothing wrong with being a business developer. I hope you're getting my point. Nothing wrong. Please, please, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying that they carry a preacher and turn him. You start teaching what you are not ordained to teach with the gift you were given. Ah, look, there's one brother <laughs> told my wife, if that guy has... When in the, um, academic world, they call it the spirit of advocacy. You understand? He does. They call it the power of advocacy. I'm using the word spirit of advocacy now. This guy can persuade you. Yet I thought about him a few days ago. I said, no, anything he says is a lie until proved otherwise. It's a lie until proved otherwise. But hear him talk. Extremely persuasive with his words. He can drive any points through you to come out outside behind you. But there's somebody I knew. That gift was given to teach the word of God. But the man told him several times, that no, no, he will do ministry later when he has established some things for himself. We've been having that conversation for 30 years. Or at least we had it 30 years ago. But one thing Satan wants eh, is to carry your gift and use it for something else. Ah, there's one American prophet. Is it Bob Jones? I think it's Bob Jones. Anyway, either Bob Jones or... I think it's Bob Jones. Yeah, Bob Jones. He said something. I listened to him preach. Bob Jones said that he had the revelation that this rock and roll famous guy, what is his name? Elvis Presley was called by God as an evangelist. And if you check it, Elvis Presley used to pull the crowd the way Rehon Bonky pulls a crowd. Rehon Bonky, you won't announce Rehon Bonky is coming. You won't get 100,000 people. In Kaduna, 500,000 people gathered to listen to Rehon Bonke. Was it Kano or Kaduna? I think it was Kano. Was that Kano or Kaduna? No, that was Kaduna, yes. Then he went to Ilori, I think. It was when he went to come to Kano. The Islamic fundamentalists became afraid. So they turned the whole thing to a riot. It was a, was a big riot that time. And that story about that. But Rehon Bonke pulls a crowd like that. Bob Jones said the Holy Spirit told him clearly. I know it was Bob Jones that said that. But you know what? The world will exchange it for you with money. Yeah. That's number one thing I want to do with your gift. He doesn't want it to lie dormant. He wants to use it. Come and work for me. At the end of the day, what they'll be presently do to young people? Turn them to crazy people. You shake your head until you shake the brain out of alignment. 
to realign, you start taking drugs. In a short while, you are high on drugs. Finally, he himself died from drug overdose or something. And another story behind that, his death. Physically, it's a story, but spiritually. So that was the only time God could get him out safely. Because he was sober for like 24 hours, begging God for mercy. All those who followed, what, what did he use his anointing for? Anointing was just used to corrupt everything. And that's what Satan likes. Adulteress never forget Hans what? Precious lives. That gift that they carry. The second thing he will settle for if he can't have that is have it dormant. Kill it. Keep you too busy to be able to pay attention to it. I told a young woman who came to see me once where I went to preach, asked to speak with me. By the time she finished, I just said, look, just finished school, yes, all right. As I get a job, but whatever job you get, make sure that it gives you enough time for this thing. I said to her, whatever it is, don't let this gift lie dormant. I'm not saying don't work or don't get a job. I said, but please be careful. Don't let them go and pay you to work from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And you can't think straight anymore. See, Satan has sense. The word has sense. They always buy gain. They will give you a million dollars where the church will not give you anything. One guy came to town. Of course, I never agreed with him. The guy came to town and said he was motivating young, talented Christians. I went for the program. There's one lady there that won one of these um, Nigerian, this thing, you know, fame, idol, all these things, that they, all these shows that they do, where you come and sing, you know, and then they award you something. They happened to be a Christian from Menugo here. And they was encouraging us. But you see, they need support. That day I was very offended. I was offended. I was offended. I said, he said, they need support. That's, he said, that, now this person now, mention the name of one famous uh, musician that can sell a table for maybe a millionaire. They do that at those shows. You do a show like this, a table can go for a millionaire. It, these days, they probably have tables of five million and all of that. Okay, and when you say table now, just five people. But to be strategically positioned, for some of them, I found out, you pay for those tables with 10 million. At the end of the day, you go and meet the artist backstage. You shake his hand, you take selfie. It's your money. You meet the comedian. At the end of the day, he shakes your hand, you take a picture with him, you know, you pose, you go and like to show off that you know one guy who tells jokes, you know? Yeah, that's what the world the world will reward you so handsomely. With vanity, I hope you know. With emptiness. The guy was speaking that day, I was there. He said, We should support that. If this girl sells a seat now for five thousand, how many of us will pay? My man, I will not pay. Yeah, and I said, I'm not going to pay. You sell a seat for 5000 When I'm preaching, how much do I sell my seat? How much do you sell? Good of the land is coming. How much is the seat? We'll go to Port Harcourt, advertise for days, after preaching on radio twice a week for, for a whole year. How much do you sell the seat? How much do I sell the seat? Now that you download the messages free of child, now come and you now sell your seat to me for 5000 Nonsense. And buy. If I should reserve five for me, say, man of God, are you coming? To be an honor. At the end of the day, I sit down, you bring me food, wine, everything, and give me an offering. Otherwise, <laughs> rubbish. Ah, damn it. Because we don't charge, they say they get more gift than us. I want them. I know they prove like this every day, but sometimes. <laughs> that day the guy was speaking, he said, if we don't support them now, they will just leave. And they go and be singing in the world. I said, go. I thought the person in front of me. I said, what nonsense is he saying? No, I, I was very angry. I 
told the pastor in front of me, I said, what rubbish is this guy telling, me, telling, telling us here? I feel like getting up and walking out. That's because, you know, you sit in front, so... Uh, I said, what rubbish is this guy telling me? I thought, tap the pastor in front of me. I said, what nonsense? I said, who encourages me? Because you can sing now, and they're offering you money to come and be, to, 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 to go and be dancing with um, uh, Flavor and um, uh, Kiss Daniel. I should envy you. Listen, my friend, the soul that says he shall die and go to hell. See, I'm that kind of person saying, I won't serve God again. I give you transport money. <laughs> no, I don't get it. I don't get it. I saw one video. One of our brother posted it. I like the video. He said that Jesus chased the rich young ruler. So Jesus just looked and said, look at this idiot. He's going. <laughs> Everybody in the church left. He asked Peter, are you not going? If some of us will be doing for Lord, Peter, come back. Come. Jesus just looked at <laughs> Jesus was looking at everybody. Are you not going? Where am I going? This is my talk. Satan wants to take that gift and use it for himself. And he will pay handsomely. And if you not agree to follow, his own is that neglect it. He gives you something to keep you so busy. You have to treat your gift in life as precious. May God give you insight into what is valuable. May you learn to approve the things that are excellent. You know why I'm saying this? If you don't treat that gift as valuable, you will suffer the fate of Esau. Esau has something valuable. He was willing to sell it. Why? He didn't think anything of it. Jacob, you can abuse Jacob from now till tomorrow. Hmm? But one thing Jacob had, Esau did not have, was a sense of value for what he had. When I was young, we used to abuse Jacob. That Jacob, I can't do that to your brother. Now, honestly, now, I will do it to my brother. You say, why? Listen, it's not wickedness. The guy didn't value it. Because if he didn't sell it to Jacob, he would sell it to one stranger. And he let me collect it and keep it in the family. <laughs> Jacob was, see, Esau will sell that thing to anybody. You don't get it. Ha. Look, you have to know how to value something. If you don't value your gift, that's how you'll be making any kind of how decisions concerning it. Somebody just come and, <laughs> I tell you, the way God has helped me, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I've been, I've been getting better over the years. When it comes to teaching anointing, I'm very careful. My own is even so bad. Churches invite me, I don't go. So what do you mean? I say, I've, I've judged it. Ask um, Tall Reverend. I say, look, I say it's a show they are doing. It's a Christian show. I'm not going to be a star in a Christian show. I'm not going. You see them gathered, they have this program. I just look at the program. She'll be the guest minister. I'm looking at guest minister. You just look at the whole program. I say, it's a show you want to do. You're just looking for somebody that's attractive enough to feature in that show. And that fellow is not me. I'm not coming. And I'm worse than before. The banking of 2023 is more difficult to get than the banking of 2022 and the, than the one of 2021. Before I accept the invitation, yeah, it is hard. You see, in Enugu, I don't get, I get invitations. I said, Reverend, that defaultly, turn them down. I said, leave me, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I have my reasons. Don't turn me to an entertainer. Don't bring me to your church to come and entertain your people. I know when I'm being asked to really come and 
impact the gift of God. I know. I'm not always right. I'm not saying I'm always right. Because people have tried to turn down before. Eh? They fought hard until, so that he could have peace. He begged me, oh God, follow these people so I can have some peace of mind. At the end of the day, I realized that, oh, they were not joking. I was the one that misinterpreted them. So I'm not saying I'm always right. But I'm just giving you the attitude. I'm talking to somebody today. Look, God gives you a gift. Satan wants it. If if he can't use it for himself, he will settle for you leaving it dormant. And two ways he keeps it dormant for you. One way, basically. He keeps you busy pursuing other things. You're so busy trying to make ends meet. See, I believe in prosperity. I'm from, hopefully from next Saturday, I'll start talking about it. Hmm? But we always start with, we first drink of the spirit of poverty. Yeah, I'm serious. Go and read my book, Grace to Prosper. Grace to Prosper. There's a chapter there on the vow of poverty. Every Christian must know what they call the vow of poverty. I learned that from Catholics. It was, I learned it from Catholics. When I was in university, they taught us to laugh about it. And I laughed like my seniors did. Then as, a, as an older person, one day I was in, um, I think, Bishop Kelly Pastoral Center in Benin. And I just sat and saw a Catholic magazine there and I picked it. Oh, no, was it my father-in-law's house, actually? Yes. And I picked the magazine and I looked at it. I was just reading through it out of nothing to do. And I saw an advert for people to come and join either the, you know, a, the priests or the nuns, one of them. And they were being invited to take the vow of poverty. And of course, instantly I was thinking of her, that same vow of poverty. Then I read what they call the vow of poverty. And I said, no, you don't have to be a reverend father. You don't have to be a nun. Every Christian must take the vow of poverty, the way the Catholics write it. You should. I don't have time to teach about it now. I'll teach about it as we go on. God helping me to remember. You must take the vow of poverty so that when they offer you great wealth for your gift, you won't sell. You will say to them, let me die poor. You go and read your Bible. There were people, the Bible says that this world was not worthy of. Yet all they did was move from one place to another, not having a change of clothing, not having decent homes. And the Bible said the world was not worthy of such people. That is, you can be so heavenly minded, the world thinks you are crazy. Yeah, you can't be so mind. You know, we used to say that Christians are so heavenly minded, they are earthly useless. Now we became so earthly minded, we are heavenly useless. Please don't switch the one extreme for the other. Be heavenly minded and be useful on the earth. But please don't be so earthly minded, you've forgotten there is a heaven. On the day of judgment, they see that your gift. Eh? God is going to put it down. Hey, say, oh boy. Say, yes, Lord. What? So how far did with this gift? Say, what is that? Say, you're asking me that. It's your gift. I've not seen that before. Then you remind, like I was saying earlier. And suddenly you remember. You can, you know. Once in a while I think of a friend of mine. I've not prayed for him in a long time. I used to pray for him regularly before. Then the amount of time I spent praying kept on reducing. Okay? I used to pray for him a lot. Then years passed. I, I remember once in a while. Maybe this day, maybe like once in two years. Soon I will remember. Now I've talk, I'm talking about it. I might pray again. Hey. You know this is You lay hands on people. They be filled with the spirit. Eh? It's my friend. I knew him in school. We prayed together the night he gave his life to Christ and all of that. And then one brother in school, very, those very, you know there are some very spiritual people. Ha, that guy, one of the most spiritual people I know, was the one that caught him one day. 
He told me about it later, and they went to they went to pray together, lay hands on him. Not only was he filled with the spirit, he had visions. When he finished describing the vision for me, you know, I was like, "What? God, you know, they even share this vision around. You just they give one person. The rest of us never see anything. This guy, the day they were praying for him, he was seeing things. One of my friends, that one is, has a strong prophetic anointing. When I told him about it, he, he said, "What?" Person, they find small vision. You never see. See the one way God gives this guy. <laughs> That's, that was the reaction, I remember. He said, he. Now, this is what I'm making. You know why that guy's matter worries me? The vision he described, this is how it is. He was standing, he saw a light shooting out from him and lighting the whole globe. The interpretation, every Tom Dick and Harry knows the interpretation of that one. The guy is somewhere till today practicing small medicine. Anytime I remember, I say, yeah, what happened to David? Still going to hospital and coming back and saying, sorry, are you all well? Are you not well? Okay, let me operate you. Don't run all over the world from Nigeria. Go here, go to another place. Finally, I said to somewhere in Europe. Anytime I remember him, it's that vision I remember. And I feel like saying, bro, are you aware? A day will come. God will ask you about this vision. Let me tell you something about God. I'll get into my message. I hope you are learning something. See? Let me tell you something about God. He has left some things as your responsibility. What do I mean by left some things as your responsibility? He says, seek the Lord. Now, please notice that. What did he say? Seek. To seek God is your job. It's not his job. To be pursuing you up and down. When Adam left where he kept him, what did he tell Adam? Where are you? Now, let me ask you a question. Did he not know? Why didn't he go there? He said, Adam, this is where I kept you. He goes to where he kept you. It is your responsibility to seek. To know. If you want to be making stupid decisions, he won't say anything. I realized something. That's why David said, once he has spoken. Twice have I heard. You know what does that mean? When God speaks, it is your business to carry what he has said and play it back to yourself. Can I say the Lord told him something once? God gave him a heavy anointing. Healing anointing. So he said, one day the Lord said, what are you going to do about the healing anointing I gave you? That was like maybe like 10 years before. He said, I was not planning to do anything about it. And the Lord said, you have to or else. Now the way I'm going is that ah, the Holy Spirit was not prompting him again. He had left the thing lying down for years. Like he would say, better go and find out what he wants you to do. He said, the time he was preaching, and he was not supposed to be pastoring a church. It took time out for a few days to find out. That was when the Holy Spirit let him know. Please, I hope you are getting my point. It's your duty to stay it up. He said he had to go and pray. So I found out that many things, God leaves them for us. It is your job to seek the Lord. Do you get my point? It is your job to seek the Lord. It is your job to go and find out what is the gift he has placed in your life that you may have left, left dormant. It is your job to activate it. I've said one of the ways you discover is just stop hanging around where the spirit is flowing. Yes. Stop hanging around. Don't let the world steal it. They like to steal it. And what they do is that they want to offer you money in exchange. Satan takes two things. Number one, either you use it for him, but if he will settle with, okay, just let's abandon it altogether. And like I was saying earlier, let me just summarize it with that. 
one day the Lord is going to do what? Ask what you did with it. The Lord is going to ask what you did with it. Everybody will give account one day. You know what he did? When he was living, he gave them what? Talents or minas. And when he came back, he came to check what they had done with what he gave them. And one said, your mina master has made ten more. And that one said, five more. One came and said, I left it, I did not touch it. And you know that that one was severely disciplined. See, it's better to be materially poor, but you, you exhausted the use of the anointing of God in your life than to have made him materially on this earth and you gave him his gift back wrapped up in a handkerchief and say, I was busy. See, when the Bible says God is a jealous God, you know what jealous means? You know what it means? <laughs> jealous is exactly what you are thinking. If you are a wife and you see your husband smiling too much with another woman, you know that funny feeling you get like, what's going on here? What is going on here? That, that's exactly how God feels too. But God's reaction to jealousy is not funny. Now let me tell you who God is jealous of so that you will understand it well. I'm going to give you a number of people he's jealous of. He's jealous of your wife. Is he jealous of your wife or jealous regarding your wife? Anyway, I prefer the word regarding. He's jealous regarding your wife, your husband, and your children. Because this is as people disobeying God and saying it's because of my children. You are bringing a curse upon those kids. No, that's not a joke. Anything you give as an excuse for disobedience to God comes under a curse. That's not a joke. See, Jesus had to say a man must hate his father more than everything with regard, compared to him. That's not a joke. You don't disobey God and give something and somebody else as an excuse. You will not like the repercussion. Moses feared his wife more than he feared God concerning circumcision of their child. He almost died for it. That's a Bible account. Kenneth Hagin listened to the voice of his wife. And the, now the funny part is, in a simple thing, see, the older you get with God, the more he takes something seriously, you wouldn't, you'll be shocked. What does it take to kill a man of God? He should go and commit adultery now. Or steal. Abby, do something wicked like that. No. He said, okay, then he go and go around teaching the word of God. He said, I will settle down and be a pastor of a church. And he collapsed. <laughs> After he fell down, they were trying to resuscitate him. He went and told his wife, sorry, your husband has collapsed. She said, ye. She ran down there, told everybody, please move back, move back. She knelt down and said, God, I'm sorry. I will not grumble again. You can have him all you want. Let him go. For weeks and end, on end, I don't mind. And then the man recovered. What happened? She had harassed his life. That this your itinerant ministry is not blessing this family. He will go and preach, come back, money not plenty. Meanwhile, she had not seen her husband for three weeks. So. She had not seen her husband for five weeks. Or in the three weeks, he just breezed through the house for one day. And left again, next day, going from church to the, one church to the other. They were just managing to get along. They didn't have money. Yet, okay, if you don't have money, but you have the man constantly, you say, okay, it's a trade-off, right? She did not have him regularly, and he, was not, he didn't have money. 
They were just managing. Meanwhile, if he, if he took a church and settled down there as the pastor of the church, at least accommodation is paid. Stays in the parsonage. They have a regular income. You know it is coming. This one that the mind is going up and down. There's no guarantee of what will come. That was all she complained about. Oh. Is that not a reasonable complaint? Every boss, you know this one now. I'm working for you, Lord. You know, you can't even do this thing well. And that's what she started complaining about. And as she going around the house, suddenly heard a voice. I could take him away and you would never see him again. Chief, this one, you see him once in three weeks. You see him once in two weeks. You see him once in a while. It's just money people don't have. She, she was alone in the house. She said, like, who is that? She had it like two or three times, if I remember what the story was. So I could take him away and you never see him again. Shortly after that, he settled down. He too got tired. He now decided to go and settle down and take a church and become the resident pastor. That was the day he killed over and began to die slowly. And they told the wife, your husband don't die. Then she ran down, knelt down and said, Lord, I'm sorry. You can take him for as long as you want. And he re- woke up and he recovered. The kind of thing he's jealous over, you won't like it. <laughs> Told my wife something the other day. She was like, hey, f- fear came upon her. Like, what? He does that. Something that happened to me, you know, in the house. I just told her some things. So remember this matter. I said, this was what happened. He said, this God is not even taken. Like, as if, like, ah, Baba, go small thing like this. You can't even let it pass. I said, now, so we see our I-, I can't give you details. I said, so. I said, I just want you to know. So the next time you see me making some decisions, because my wife used to think that, mm, Pastor, your own is too much, self. Take it, you know, this kind of, relax now, relax. Why must it be so? I said, sure, you have seen it now, that the Lord doesn't take it as easy as you think I should. The Lord is good. One day, he's going to call every single one of us, one by one. He said, boy, yeah, so, how far? And you will not be able to say, I did not know. Because there are two kinds of I did not know. There two reasons why you will not be able to say, I did not know. One, you actually knew. But you allowed it to slip away from you. Go and read what Paul said in the, that book of Hebrews. Let's pay attention to this. Let's, that's Hebrews chapter 2. Let's just slip away from us. Things slip away. If you don't pay attention, what happens? They slip away. He said, for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. So that we do not drift away from it. Or King James, it lets the sleep away from us. A gap is created. That's number one. Number two, he says, oh, if you did not know, why didn't you bother to find out? Why did you not bother to find out? People are going around every time giving testimonies. Why did you not settle down with them and say, hey, come on. How did you guys pray? Let me pray. To pray for me that I will know the will of God concerning my life. Please, let's bear that in mind, though. The Lord is good. So, back to what we're saying. How did they receive the Spirit? By what? Okay, I was explaining the fact that, yeah, God has a great thing prepared for us. If God sent the Spirit of wisdom, we have to make sure that we can receive it. That was around the time I went this way. I hope you're getting my point. And I said that, you know, you have to hang around where the Spirit is flowing. That's why I started talking about the gift of God that we have. But let's get back to the issue of the matter of wisdom. So God has prepared that wisdom for us. And if you see that wisdom operate, it is given to us to make the right decisions even though we are not consciously aware of what is going to take place in the future. Wisdom is given to us to unearth hidden things that God wants to bless the world with. Wisdom is given to us to be effective 
in different areas of life that he has called us to be effective in. Let's read this again, First Kings chapter 4. I was saying let's learn to prize what is important. We must prize wisdom. It is crucial. Very, very crucial. If you, if you show God that you value it, it will come into your heart. In the case of Solomon, all he needed to do was show God how much he valued it. Verse 29. Before we read that verse 29 again, remember the story of Solomon. Now remember, as you are paying attention, the spirit of wisdom is coming to your heart. Remember that? Yeah, it is, it is, it is, it is. It is. God gave Solomon the opportunity to ask him for anything. First Kings chapter 4. God gave Solomon the opportunity to ask for anything. Now, you must understand, anything meant anything. You could have asked for wealth, and God said as much. But Solomon didn't, we know. And this is where recorded for our learning. We should learn to behave the way these men behaved. If given the opportunity in life, choose the things that are more important. Money is always, is almost always a temptation. Money is good. Abundant supplies is good. But please place it in the position, in the appropriate position on your scale of preference. I hope you're getting my point. We'll talk about it again, something we have talked about several times about when we are doing business. It's not what makes money that is first. It's around number five or so. All right? So it's good, but let it just be at the right position. Do not sacrifice faithfulness, usefulness, productivity for more money. Don't. I hope you get my point. You know, once, uh, I think it was, um, yeah, it was uh, Dean Woke here, that he and I were speaking. I said to him that my wife did this kind of stuff. He said, oh, I know somebody who can do it. So he called back and said, the person said, how much are they paying? I said, tell him the job is no longer available. And that was it. I said, tell him the job is no longer available. And it's not for him. It's still open, no? but for him it's not available. Why? You've not even come to check what exactly you'll be doing. I hope you're getting my point. You have not even, you are from a distance asking how much are they paying. Mammon has a hold of you. You may not know it. Do the pastors have that problem too? You know that. So let's go and start a church somewhere. Say, can they, how much offering can they give? They may not know it. Eh? Mammon has a hold of them. You know that too that I said, tell the guy that we don't, we, his job is not available again. Of course, he would have had to be told how much he was going to be paid. I'm not saying he wouldn't have known. He just surprised him at the end of the month. No. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But at least, it's okay. Let me come and see. What exactly do they need me for? Don't, okay, they are going to pay you a huge amount of money. At the end of the day, they make you sit down money till night. Your brain is frying regularly. I've, I, I know people who resign from big jobs simply because I don't do anything there. Some of these big national, they used to do it to Nigerians. They come to do business in Nigeria and by our law, they must employ locals. So they employ locals, pay them heavily and give them nothing to do. 20 years after they've been doing business in Nigeria, they've not trained one engineer that can take over from them. They used to do it. I don't know about now. Many people have co- I heard many people complain. What kind of thing is this? They pay you very well, but you look after 20 years, you've learned nothing. You've built a house in the village. You built one in Lagos, though. You built one in Enugu. You were driving the flashiest car. You were spending money large. Of course, every holiday you don't carry your whole family to go abroad. You're a big boy in the village. But they knew what they were doing, some of those multinationals. They just employed to fill the quota. They keep on bringing their people from Europe, from America, from different places. 
to do the real technical work. And they were not teaching the locals anything. So that after they've been in the country for 20, 30 years, if they leave, they live with everything. So later, of course, most people didn't complain. Why? They're getting the money. Well, those guys knew what they were doing. They were being smart. They were retaining all the technical expertise. It's very hard to tell a Christian, they, don't, they will give you 20 reasons why the money is good. They say, do you realize this job they have given you now? After you retire, God will say, what happened to my gift? And the gift can be engineering. No? And you have not engineered anything in 30 years. See, be very careful. What I'm saying, we have to be very careful. They gave Solomon the opportunity. What do you want? What do you want God to do for you? That was the opportunity given to Solomon. Like I said, if you are going to apply for a job, Yusuf, ask yourself, what am I going to learn? How am I going to improve in my life? But they are going to give me a job. They pay me very well. I'm not imparting anybody. I'm not improving. After working for 10 years, the only thing I have to show is the fact that I have money. That's how to fail. Listen, it's better to fail materially on this earth and be successful eternally. That's not a joke. When we're describing success, one man of God said that, look, as far as I'm concerned, a Christian must have something to show. <laughs> I said, the one Paul has to show is good enough for me. You know what they call, who they call Paul? You know Paul now? Yes, Paul the apostle. The only thing he had to show for you and me is this New Testament we have that he only, his letters constitute half. When you pick up what you call the New Testament, half of all the letters in there, that's the words in there, were written by Paul. Paul will speak. You say, this is the word of the Lord. And it's Paul that spoke. One brother said something. He said, are there mansions in heaven? He said, I don't know. He said, what I am looking forward to is well done, good and faithful servant. He said, if after that, they say, sit on the mango tree. He said, I will sit on it. That well done, good and faithful servant will satisfy me for eternity. For the Lord to have told me, well done, good and faithful servant. So as a Christian, you must have something to say, hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. Paul, the one you have to show is good enough. If I discuss, you know, all these houses we build right now, you know how soon they become useless. It doesn't even take a hundred years. Like somebody said, parents sent, how did they say that in again now? Anyway. Make a long story short, a lot of parents struggled and struggled and struggled to build houses for their children. All the houses are on their street. The children are all in America. They are abroad. They don't plan. And even if they were to come, the, the house will look old to them. Think of an old-fashioned house was this. That is, they are not going to stay there. Let nobody harass you that you need to have something to show. Please, all things are added. These things are additions. The primary focus must never, must never be lost. I hope you're getting my point. So Solomon was given the opportunity. What did God say? What, what, what happened to Solomon? He said, give me wisdom. Now look at what God gave him. Let's read it together. First Kings chapter um, 4. I'll read it out, okay? Just follow me, verse 29. Now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breath of mind that is sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men that Ethan the Ezraite, Heman, Kalkor, and Dada, the sons of Maho. Those men must have been great. <laughs> His fame was known in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs. 
in addition to the wisdom they knew him for, he put down 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees, from the cedar that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that grows on the wall. Now, I hope you know that is biology, advanced biology. He spoke also of animals and birds and creeping things and fish. Men came from all peoples to hear the wisdom of Solomon, from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. Please let me, remember we're just talking about wisdom. We're talking about insight. We're talking about understanding so that the spirit can enter into us. One of the most interesting things in the life of Solomon that it took me a long time, and just a few years ago I finally understood it, was one of the first decisions he had to make in life. Now, DNA studies, all those things, they are good, right? Solomon didn't need it to decide who was the mother of a child. Somebody say wisdom. wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. wisdom. You know, as a doctor, one of the most interesting things about medicine eh, is everybody comes with a fever. But I can give you hundreds of causes of fever right here, from the very mild and mundane, just simple, small stress. Stress can give fever, which, by the way, is why I don't watch football. Yes, if Nigeria is playing the match till now, I can't watch it. It gives me a fever. And I'm not kidding. You put the thermometer, my, te- my temperature goes up. I say, why die because of football? So I don't go there. From many things like football to seri- serious things like cancers of un- un- that we don't know where it is, they can give fever. And sometimes I've seen doctors investigate for weeks and weeks and weeks. In fact, I have one in mind now. The guy's fever was so bad for weeks. We kept, in fact, he was being treated somewhere in Anambra. Put him in the... His uh, brother, who was talking to me here, I was giving them ideas. Okay, we didn't think about that. And the person who was sick, the wife is a doctor. Until he finally died, he didn't know, find out the cause of the fever. And I can assure you, hundreds of thousands of naira had gone down in trying to investigate the fever. And he finally died of the fever. And by the time he died, he didn't know what was wrong with him. But one doctor with the wisdom of Solomon will take a look Ask two questions and tell you what is wrong. It didn't happen in this case. I'm just giving another idea. We take a look and just tell you what is wrong. And the colleagues may want to say, how are you so sure? Do this test, do this test, do that one. They'll do those three tests, which will cost a little amount of money, and they'll find out that the guy was right. Somebody say wisdom. wisdom. Solomon, do you know, you could have gone to do all the genetic tests you wanted to do. Solomon just gave one simple instruction. Bring the child. Get me a sword. Call the child while the two parents are mothers, contending mothers are watching. They tell the son, one woman says something, the woman says, stop, that's the correct mother. They will have had to hold that child, give it to a foster mother, and then take blood sample. And since they were hard lot, it would have been hard because you don't know who the father is. You forgotten that part of it? Nobody was sure who's the father. So they will have taken time to sequence DNA to finally decide that, okay. This one is the mother. Solomon solved it in five minutes. Somebody say wisdom. wisdom. That is, you are a geologist. They are looking for oil. You know, it's in a gamble. You know. To find where oil is under the ground is gamble. They use everything they can. At the end of the day, it's still small. Gamble is still gamble. People spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to drill a hole. It comes out dry. Then they walk away. Somebody buys a dry hole from them for a small amount of money, drills one foot deeper, and meets a gosher. See, as body, they pay this one. It two face like they say, ah, I'm more from that. 
Yes, that's what happens. But you know, there's what they call the spirit of wisdom. One man will just come. For no reason, he'll just look and say, no. There can't be oil here. Why? Because look at that mountain. Look at that mountain. The way they are angulated, they must have, he'll just tell one long story, which is actually not very true if we were supposed to study the real geology of the earth. But that's the one the Holy Spirit showed to him and convinced him. He said, look, put that man together. Draw it down by like two kilometers that way. Let's go and drill on that side. Before you finish spending $50,000, you've met a gosher. You look at him like, oh boy, how did you know? Uh, there's a spirit in man. And the inspiration of the Almighty gives him what? Understanding. That's what you should be expecting. That's what the Holy Spirit will do for you. Yeah, that's, what he's going to, that's what he's going to do. That is what he's going to do. He's going to make you so wise. People will just be wondering, how did you know? Genetic studies in today's money will have spent in Naira hundreds of thousands to decide who's the, father, the mother of that child. Solomon solved it in five minutes. And he said, it was a word of wisdom. Anybody talking about a word of wisdom? That's what it means. Oh. I want you to understand. So, one of those days, like I said, the one that impressed me the most. For a long time, I was wondering, what was wrong with this young king? Why was he overreacting? His brother went and met the mother and said, now, my father gave the throne to my younger brother. Small boy compared to him. Solomon was said to have been a teenager at that time. Small boy compared to him. My My father has given him the throne. All I'm asking for is Abishag. The young wife, the one that used to warm daddy up that time. Solomon didn't want the wife. His first wife was from Egypt. His first wife was married foreign women, which God said they shouldn't have done, all right? But let's leave that for a moment. He didn't want the wife. So the mother came and told him, please give the wife to your brother. Instantly, Solomon executed many judgments at that moment. For that reason, he killed Joab. He had his brother killed. The only Solomon I've seen like that in modern times, his name is, what is that guy's name? Michael Colioni. Michael Colioni just looked. One little thing. His father had told him, the first person that brings this thing to you is a traitor. So that guy just came. He said, um, Bazzini wants to have a meeting. He said, no problem. He had that guy killed. Killed Bazzini. Killed everybody. Like, you know, what he did not know was his father had told him, whoever comes with a proposal for a meeting is a traitor. He said, the first thing they will want to do once I leave is to take you out. And the only way they can get in is get somebody from inside the house. So watch it. The first person, his father had told him that the old evil man had given him <laughs> the wisdom of the of Satan. Something similar happened with Solomon. I mean, as a young man, I used to react. I couldn't understand. Why was this guy overreacting? They just asked for a woman you don't want. I was really about one traditional ruler, one of by in Western Nigeria. He said, when they told him he had to inherit four wives, he cried. You know what I said? They anointed him king. Well, I hope that your regime pastor, I hope he's not inheriting any wife. You are watching, eh? <laughs> You know, there's one redeemed pastor that resigned to become the Shaun of Ogbomosho, and that's one of the big titles in Western Nigeria. Oh, Shaun of Ogbomosho. Oh, big one, big one. First class, uh, Oba. He was in America, be? I hope he's not inheriting any wife, because another of his colleagues said when he took over, he had to inherit four wives. And the kings used to do that. 
Solomon, he didn't want this one. Yet his brother asked. And so, of course, it took me a long time. Finally, I understood. Do you know, God gave him wisdom. In that single request, he saw the whole conspiracy. He, that single request, he saw the conspiracy, which was an arrangement between Joab and his brother, Adonijah. It was their way of getting the kingdom out of the boy's hand and establishing Adonijah as king. That was the plan. And Joab was in on it. That was supposed to instigate the Israelites to believe that the real choice of David was Adonijah. That was the plan. But the point is that he saw it. Brethren, somebody listening to me, you'll be, you know, to end up in prison as a senior, look, <laughs> some people are in prison in Nigeria now, eh? I just wonder, which day will you come out? Many people end up in prison, they didn't do anything. They just signed paper. They didn't do anything, they just signed a piece of paper. You can't be smart enough to hide yourself. But this is the wisdom of Solomon. Somebody will just ask you something. As soon as he you just hear two things he said, and the spirit will have let you know that he's lying. You will know how come you know. Just say, okay, listen, I can't do this for you now. Can we talk again in two days? Let me think about it. The two days is all you need to get away from his snare. I hope you're getting my point. That is what the spirit does. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of insight. Solomon just, one little request. He read the whole conspiracy story. The plot. He could see the whole plot. He's going to wed this girl in a big ceremony. Joab is going to stand beside him while the wedding is going on. The whole of Israel is going to be watching. My mother is going to be there. To be a day that I traveled. When I come back, war again in Israel. So he had Adonijah killed. Just like the other, remember that Godfather guy? Yeah, killed his brother too. That guy was a Solomon in the wicked kingdom. And of course, after that, he went after Joab. I know he killed two birds with one stone. Remember his father had told him. He said, don't let his hoary head go to the grave in peace. For the blood of Abner and who? There were two people he killed. No. Amasa, thank you. Yeah. He killed Asa, Amasa and Abner. In the time of peace, he shed the blood of war. He said, don't let his hoary head go to the grave in peace. So Solomon was watching. He said, I will catch you. You will do this your evil again. Somebody say wisdom. wisdom. It allows you to see what is not obvious to everybody. That's the point I'm making. That wisdom, let's read about it because I'm watching our time. Daniel chapter 4, quickly. And as, as we are reading this, I want you to receive it. Daniel chapter 5, sorry. As we are reading this, receive it. Oh. Listen, to, the spirit, to be a craftsman, God gave his spirit. To be a cook, there is a spirit, you know that? To raise children, you know there is a spirit. <laughs> Parenting is by the spirit. Oh. You know, to a six-month-old baby, everything is what? Wah, wah, wah. They are not happy. They are shouting, where? It's cry. They are hungry. It's cry. There is an insect that has trapped under the nappy and is biting. The only thing you can do is what? Cry. They are seriously sick. It's the same thing. The same cry. You can be frustrated. You've checked everything. You need the spirit of wisdom to let you know what to check. You just say, this kind of cry is piercing, it's angulated, 
it comes up and down. There must be an you remove the napping. You see one wicked red-headed ant. May sound like a small thing. I read the story of one woman. The child came home depressed. Look, so you live in a country where people are trans, this trans, that. You know those trans people? They are the most wicked set of human beings on this earth. Yeah. What they do is satan, is satanic. You know what they do now in those countries? You don't have to tell your parents. Yeah, you are in school, you are a boy. You are at home, you are a girl. I won't tell your parents. You come to school, they give you your drugs. Puberty blockers. In some of those countries, children as young as 15 cannot sign up for double mastectomy. Remove both breasts so that they will never grow breasts to be boys. And that's a girl. If you're a parent in some of those countries, you need more spirit than an average parent needs. You wake up in the morning, you say, I smell transgender. All of you come here. Come here. Which, which one of you is transing anything in school? In the name of Jesus, that spirit, out, 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 out. After I cast that, I beat you. <laughs> I need to do that so that next time spirit is coming, you will rebuke him by yourself. Tell you the truth. There are children that need to be detoxified. You know, they call detox. Send it to Okunano High School. Yeah, from America, you come to Nubu. Go to high school in Okunano for like two, three, four years. When you finish, you are speaking Igbo. When you are finished, you are fighting on the street. That's why you know that you are not a girl, you are a boy. Yes, this girl is not walking in Nubu. Are you getting my... <laughs> walking Nubu. You can be doing that I'm a girl when they never beat you. You know? <laughs> when you are a boy, they collect your, your lunch. You say, my name is Tracy. Let me have my lunch. They beat you. you say, boy, now they grace my name. Now she did leave that thing. <laughs> All the trust will leave you that time. Some children need to, they need to be detoxified. Bring them home for like four or five years. When they go back, they'll be casting out trans spirits. I'm telling you, have you ever seen a Nigerian guy that's not on social media say he's trans? All those ones are doing trans now, just to sell something. All those ones, they're, 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 not, they're not even doing trans, they are doing a cross dressing. Look, you know, Nigerians are funny people. You know, the other day, don't tell anybody. Some people, they said they were doing gay marriage. I hope you know it was a scam. When I found out it was a scam, I almost felt like I said, the heart of men is exceedingly deceitful and scamful. You know what they do? As they arrest them like that, eh? I found out what they say they do. You see all of them post a photo. Then they'll finally get visa, run to UK, say, persecution for LGBT. They'll just show you the Guardian newspaper. Oh, Gassin, now, me, now me wear this big, big book. This, now me, they married, they married my boyfriend that time. Right there. They say, oh, 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 okay, asylum for LGBT harassment. We are streaming, see. <laughs> the whole thing is a setup. Now, it's just a photo shoot. <laughs> I said, she opened somewhere, right? Daniel chapter 5. <laughs> When I found out there, ah! Please, those of you are serving God, use that ingenuity to serve God. 
Because people are using it for all kinds of things. Hmm. Well, let's just leave that in. This is what God is going to do for you. Daniel chapter 5. Let's just quickly read around verse um, 12. There was a problem. Belshazzar had a problem. Handwriting on the wall. Remember the story. Nobody could interpret. The king called aloud to bring in the conjurers. They were to bring in the fortune tellers, the enchanters, astrologers. He said to these wise men of Babylon, if you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you'll be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and we have a gold chain placed around your neck. You'll become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Nobody could do it. Verse 10. Then the queen, the queen mother actually, entered the banquet hall because of the words of the king and his nobles. The king spoke and said, O king, look, live forever. Do not let your thoughts alarm you or your face be pale. Hmm. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. That was what she understood. He has a spirit from somewhere. The spirit of God dwells in him. The spirit of the gods, she called it. And in the days of your father, listen to this, illumination, insight, wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, appointed him chief of the magicians. Verse 12, this was because an extraordinary spirit, knowledge and insight, interpretation of dreams, Explanation of enigmas and solving of difficult problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. He said, let him now be summoned and he will declare the interpretation. When, God said, when the king saw Daniel, what did he say? He said to him, Daniel, I have heard about you, verse 14, that the spirit of the gods is in you and that illumination, insight, and extraordinary wisdom have been found in you. What am I saying? Verse 16, I personally have heard about you that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. People, this was what God gave Daniel as his spirit. It's a spirit of wisdom. And that is what you are receiving now. You are receiving the spirit of God inside you that would give you illumination. The spirit gives you insight. It will give you wisdom. Wisdom like the wisdom of God. The word of wisdom will work in your life constantly. In the name of Jesus Christ. You will be able to solve difficult problems. And give interpretations to enigmas. In the name of Jesus. There are all kinds of problems facing people on this earth. Pharaoh had a problem. Joseph solved it. With technology that had never been used before. For your information, nobody had to store food for that long, as long as Joseph had been alive. But God gave him wisdom. And he solved a difficult problem. God has kept secret wisdom for the upright. There's, called, there's what is called, a, there are two kinds of wisdom in that regard, alright? There's a word of wisdom. You don't even have all the details. You just know what is right to do. But there's what is called insight. In which you have enough understanding to explain to people what you are doing. I don't know whether you're getting my point. But to you, everything connects. These days, I'm more patient, like I told you, with people than before. 
Because now I realize that ability to understand something is a gift of God. Let me end today here. Hmm? If you want to activate wisdom in your life, don't ever be far from the word of God. See, let me tell you how life is. Eh? Many important things you must do in life, they are counterintuitive. That is, you can prosper so much, you become so busy, you neglect the word. Well, that word came as a result of, that prosperity came as a result of what? The word. That's what you have to fight. When I was preaching the other day about courage, what were we talking about? That Joshua was supposed to have courage. And it was not courage to fight to. It was courage to meditate. I'll be getting my point. You need courage to forsake every other thing and go and listen to the word. You need courage to forsake, you know, business deals. You know, to just close your shop and say, I'm going to Bible study. Do you follow what I'm going to say here? That, listen, they will say, ah, this is the season when business moves. You say, but this is the very season where they are in our church. We are doing a one-week, three sessions a day program of intense ministry of the word. They say, okay, look for somebody to stay in your shop. Say, I can't find it. Close it. Now, what did I say? Close it. Close it. Close it. People of God, close it. See, that is when business moves. Come on, it's just one week out of 50-something weeks. Take that week as your leave. Sabbath does not mean other people are doing the work. In Israel, Sabbath meant everybody's resting. Even the animals were to rest. Some of us only take leave when somebody else will do it. Sometimes nobody should do it. So you that's supposed to do it too, go and sleep. Go and rest. That is all we need courage for. You know what I found out? If we don't do that, eventually we'll become foolish. Exactly what happened to Asa. Too much peace, too much prosperity became foolish. Too much peace and too much prosperity. Prosperity can be dangerous. A lot of people, a lot of, a lot of people, why God doesn't give them prosperity? I say, I beg, I beg, I beg. I don't want trouble. Say, so give this, give, give this one small. Let me just show you what I'm saying. I saw one video recently. You know, there are a lot of kids flying around. I had a good laugh. That guy said, "To say you and God be mate. You promise God that if He bless you, you will serve Him." He just only shop. He open for you now. We know they come church again. He said, you told God you will wash the toilet in church. If he blesses you, God has opened the shop for you. He said, I'm a radical pastor. He, drove the guy, he locked the, church, the shop by himself, dragged the guy, said, follow me. You have to go and pay your vow to God. <laughs> it may sound funny. It may just be a skit, but that's how life is. Small blessing will run away from the source of blessing. Because the blessing keeps you busy. What am I saying today? I just feel like leaving that advice with people. Don't let anything ever take you away from where the word of God is flowing. It's the source of your wisdom. Yeah, it's the source of your wisdom. Don't let anything separate you from the word of God. I have found out there's no natural intelligence that will help you in this life. I told you that the, the, the most intelligent man, arguably, that ever lived, he died at the age of 43, a total failure. He couldn't handle life. This guy finished from Harvard as a scientist at the age of 13 or so. Yet, he couldn't handle life. He didn't know anything. Bow down your heads. And say, Lord, I've heard the word about wisdom today. And I receive it. Say, I receive insight. I receive insight. I receive direction. I receive understanding. I receive wisdom. Say it. I receive the ability to understand. It's very important. Say, Lord, I receive the ability to understand. 
As that word was coming forth, I was drinking of it. Lord, I drink of it. Oh, Jesus Christ has made unto me wisdom. Jesus has made unto me wisdom. As a child of God, I've received the spirit of wisdom. As a child of God, I receive the spirit, the spirit, the spirit of wisdom. I receive the spirit of wisdom. I receive the spirit of wisdom. I receive the spirit of wisdom. I know what to do. I have understanding. I can solve difficult problems. I can solve difficult. From now on, Lord, I solve difficult problems. I solve difficult problems. Nothing is too hard for me. You are the creator. There is nothing on this earth I cannot solve. Because your spirit is inside me. You created the world out of nothing. And that same spirit, you have placed a dose of it inside me. I can solve problems. I can create solutions. I create solutions. I create solutions. Say, Lord, everybody, you know one area of life you need wisdom. Where you need insight, where you need understanding. Say, Lord, in that area I receive, 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 I receive. Oh, Lord, I thank you. Please, can, I, can we just pray for a moment for Enugu? All right? Just say amen to my prayer. Every evil doer out of this city in the name of Jesus. Amen. Out of this state in the name of Jesus. Amen. As the people of God, we reject the affliction and the, and the, you know, the work of kidnappers that have come into the, city, into the state. Amen. We command the oppression to cease. Amen. Lord, in agreement, we come before you. And we say, Lord, judge them. Amen. Scatter them. Amen. Destroy their works. Amen. Let the oppressed in their hands go free. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Everyone they have kidnapped. That reverend father we heard about, the travelers on going to Ebola for. Lord, as your people, we bind the oppression of the oppressors. Amen. And we loosen the oppressed. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Satan out of this state. Amen. All you evil doers. This is our land. We, the people of God here. Jesus said you are the salt of the earth. So we claim this land. We claim it. We claim it. We do not yield it. We will travel day and night and we will be safe. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. But as for you evil doers, you will not thrive in this land. Amen. You will not be comfortable anywhere. Amen. Wherever you are hidden, God will expose you. And the justice of this land will come upon you. In the name of Jesus. But we declare peace upon this land. Enugu, the peace of God will dwell in you. We, the people of God, will travel up and down, will walk up and down day and night and have no fear. We will enjoy this land. We will enjoy this land. This land is lifted up. From here, the blessing of God flows into the rest of the region, Amen. into the rest of this nation, Amen. into the rest of this continent, Amen. and into the whole world. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen.